Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Podcast. This is Steve, and here with Brett as well, per usual. And we are here to talk about the week that was in the Big Ten. We sit here two weeks left in the regular season, um, and there's a lot to talk about, both at the top of the conference and the middle of the conference, and actually at the bottom of the conference, too. But uh, we'd be remiss not to um, talk about uh, one thing in the Big Ten that's making national news waves, and that's what I am dubbing the uh, the Madison melee, um, and I, I will trademark that shortly thereafter. Um, so this show may go a little bit longer than usual, just so we can uh, make sure we uh, share our thoughts on the incident that took place. Uh, yesterday in Madison between Juwan Howard, Greg Gard, and um, really both teams. I'll spare everyone the kind of details on what happened. I think everyone kind of knows the the situation, the players. Um, and so really, Brett, to start us off, I mean, what are your uh, thoughts, hot takes, feelings, uh, on what went down um, yesterday, um, and keep in mind, you know, we're we're giving you as unbiased a viewpoint as uh, we possibly can here for you guys, our fans. Yeah, so I mean, I think I've seen. I mean, so this this happened over over 24 hours ago. We're recording this on Monday night due to some timing constraints, and you know, you've seen. I think I've seen every single possible hot take uh, on both sides of both sides of the aisle, so to speak, here. And I mean, the thing I, the thing I keep coming back to and, and, you know, for reference, I, I am a, I am a Wisconsin fan. Steve is a Michigan fan. Um, but from a totally unbiased perspective, or as close to unbiased as I can be, I mean, I always just keep coming back to, you can't make things physical. Like if you're a coach leading a team like that, you can't make things physical. And, you know, we can, we can get into the semantics of, of, you know, uh, who was who was right to keep playing hard. And I, I think that so sorry, I guess starting back from from the beginning, like if you're going to if you're going to have your team, keep your starters in and press walk ons, then you can't get mad about a timeout getting called. I don't think that's extremely controversial at this point. Um, and I think that, you know, could could Greg Gard have just kind of let Joan go? Sure. Did I think he was actually trying to explain himself? Yes. Could Juwan Howard have pulled his team off the court like Fran McCaffrey does and just gone to the locker room without shaking hands? Yeah, no one would have had a problem with that. I think there there were a lot of ways that this situation could have been mitigated, but the thing I keep coming back to is, I mean, you can't you can't make this physical. Um, and that and that go, and that goes for you know Sharif Chambliss and and Joe Krabenhoff kind of mixing it up a little bit with 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 Terrence Williams and and other other Michigan players. Um, and I'm, honestly, I was kind of surprised that neither of them drew a suspension. But I mean, the the you, you always you always kind of learn the guy the guy that makes the kind of retaliatory move is the one that gets caught and in trouble. And that's I think what happened here. I think I don't think Jawan Howard should be fired. I think he should have been suspended probably for the whatever postseason play Michigan has as well. Also, on a side note, I do not believe Michigan will be traveling to the Kohl Center next year, just if I if I really had to guess, based on conference play. I think that, you know, I I, I thought that each of the players should have gotten a longer suspension initially that were throwing the punches. Uh, that would, So that would be uh, Jacoby Neath on Wisconsin and then Musa Diabate and Terrence Williams. Um, I'm 
coming around. I think one game is appropriate because this is not a situation that was started by them. Um, I think they just kind of jumped into the fray to protect their coaches. Throwing punches obviously means a suspension. And when you combine that with how the Big Ten suspended uh, A.J. Griffin last year for stepping on a player for two games, maybe you can draw some weird parallels there that like the punishments don't quite line up. And that's that's a fair argument. But I think one's one one game apiece for for throwing the punches is fine. There's a lot there's a lot to be made about, you know, Greg Gard shouldn't have touched Jawan Howard. And I think that because Jawan lowered his mask to say something to guard guard is not wrong for wanting to explain himself. And why he called the timeout that apparently annoyed Jawan, despite the fact that Jawan has done the same thing. Everyone's done the same thing. You call timeouts at the end of games to make subs, to get your walk on some coaching. Like you shouldn't shortchange a walk on's experience just because they're a walk on. Like they deserve to get coached in game as much as anybody else does. Um, so I think honestly, like with the five game suspension for Howard, the one game for Diabate Williams and Neath, the fine for guard, all fine in my book. And uh, again, kind of surprised that, that, Krabenhoff and, and Chambliss didn't get didn't get one. Um, but I mean, I think the fact that there was the the like video footage from right next to the postgame handshake line is is pretty self-explanatory of why everything came out the way it did. So what about you? I think we're mostly in agreement. So I think there's there's two ways you can dissect this, in my opinion. One is like the what suspension were the suspensions deserved or not you know and and i'll address that in a second the the second being what do you want as like a coach of both teams you know i'm sorry as a fan of both teams like how would you have wanted your coaches to conduct themselves here and i think as far as the suspensions go i mean i i don't think it takes too many brain cells to like figure out that like yeah Jawan howard you know, deserved a suspension. The length of it is anyone's guess, given that like these things don't really happen in college. Um, you know, the NBA kind of plays by different rules, so you can't really use that as like a frame of reference. Um, and I mean, I think, I think everyone who has brain cells recognizes that Howard deserved the biggest punishment, and then guard and the assistants deserved some sort of punishments. Um, and, and the players that were involved probably deserve some sort of punishment too. So as far as how all that shaked out, like, I don't, I mean, debating like the nuances of this, of like, you know, should this person have got a suspension versus justifying or not? Like, honestly, all that's irrelevant to me, which kind of brings to the, brings me to the second dimension on which you'd evaluate this. And frankly, in my opinion, uh, it's just like a, biased observer i mean this is it's all Jawan howard's fault at the end of the day because like as a head basketball coach of a major division one school like you regardless of the timeout situation and how you feel about it i think it is soft and petty that you're even that you have thin enough skin that you're even like upset about that in the first place um, like what a good leader would do, even if they were a little bit upset about that on the inside, is they would kind of put their head down, you know, go through the handshake line and then, you know, use that as fuel the next time you, you play that team. Um, like the fact that we're even having to debate, like, you know, should he have, like, should they have called the timeout, you know, like 
look, this this stuff's stupid. Like you play you play through the whistle in all sports, and like, even the fact that we're saying things like <laughs> players throwing punches to defend their coaches is like an insult to the fact that as a college basketball coach, you are supposed to be a leader of men um, or a leader of kids, kind of transforming them into men. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there with opinions of like, oh, you know, the Wisconsin players have some sort of culpability in this. And I, I, I kind of disagree. I think this is all Jawan Howard's fault at the end of the day. Um, he got, he, he has to be better than that. Um, and to be a successful leader, you know, he is not, he's going to continue to run into problems if he lets his emotions get the best of him, which keep in mind, this isn't the first time that this has happened, uh, with him and anyone who does not know what I'm talking about, look up the highlights of the Michigan Maryland game and the quarterfinals of the big 10 tournament last year, um, and see the little spiff that he got into with Mark Turgeon. Um, so I'd even go as far to say like it's it's not not just like soft and petty, but it's it's fake tough guy stuff. Like the the one thing I'll say, which I think is potentially interesting to talk about, which we don't necessarily need to get into, is that you know, and and we'll we'll use this to transition into kind of actual gameplay talk. Um, I'll be interested to see how his players respond to this because. Uh, Michigan is kind of decently positioned with a former head coach being on staff and Phil Martelli, who, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint, you know, can can kind of, you know, handle the responsibility. Um, and, you know, Jawan will at least be able to tell recruits and to tell his players that he was kind of doing all this to defend them. So. You know, we'll, we'll see how it goes with Michigan. You know, there's either this is the players are going to come out and kind of fight for him and they'll be galvanized or like they're just going to fall completely apart. I, I don't think there's any middle ground there. Um, so naturally, uh, naturally, they're, they're probably going to go two and three or three or two just because I said that. But um, anyway, Brett, do you, anything else you want to say on this before we dive into the actual basketball? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you 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 do raise a, a very good point, and I mean, it's we're just kind of across the board, like you know, we're pretty much pretty much in agreement. I just, yeah, you you really like, you're you're representing the University of Michigan, like you can't lose your shit like that, is is pretty much, and and it's also like it was it was interesting that he waited for basically four people to come in between him before kind of just, I, I guess the, would the term be smack? I think I think that's the best way to. They didn't punch him. He didn't slap him. He kind of just grabbed his face. I don't know, but yeah, it was it was it was an interesting like, yeah, it was it was just kind of interesting how how all of that unfolded. But I guess my final point is I cannot wait until the basketball gods put these two teams together in the sec in the third round of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, that will be that will be quite something when that inevitably happens because that's how the world works, and nobody can have nice things. And so, you know, on on that note, um, maybe we'll start with Michigan. So they're uh, in the mid; they are on the bubble, uh, you know, on the on the tippy tippy top of the bubble, um, as far as their tournament hopes go. Uh, got a big win earlier this week, beating Iowa, um, and obviously things did not go well for them in Madison. Um, I don't really think that there's much to kind of take away from what we saw this week, you know, this team kind of lives and dies by 
how well they shoot from three. Um, and, you know, Hunter Dickinson's been averaging 20 a game or so over the last 20. So he kind of continues to be what's dragging them along. Um, it'll be a big week coming up for Michigan, uh, as as are the rest of their, their game. We'll talk about it in a second. But in, in my opinion, this team you know probably needs to win four of their last five to feel comfortable about a bid. Uh, taking three of their last five probably gets them in. And for those that don't know, they uh, they ha- all five of their games are against NCAA tournament caliber teams, so lots of opportunities for big wins. Um, however, Brett, maybe more what I wanted to ask you about was this was a great, great week for Wisconsin. Uh, two wins against two kind of teams on the bubble. Um, and it, it really, like we've talked about all season, it starts and ends with Johnny Davis for them. But what are you seeing out of Wisconsin that kind of has flipped the script for them this week? Yeah, so I, I what I wanted to say kind of um, was this this whole like fracas after the game, so to speak, overshadowed what was really a great second half from Wisconsin um, against you know a, a game Michigan team. And to your point about Michigan, I think I don't and honestly this goes this goes for both both teams that that Wisconsin played this week, Indiana and and Michigan with dominant big men that were having just really good first halves, and then both of the time both both games were just kind of schemed out of the game by their own coaches. Um, whether that's, I think Hunter Dickinson only took a few, like three or so shots the entire second half. And as, as Michigan kind of just kept breaking threes or whether it was Indiana refusing to give the ball back to trace Jackson Davis down the stretch where he was virtually unstoppable for the first three quarters of the game. Um, and, and Xavier Johnson kind of took over. I, th- I think he went like three for 15 from the field or something. Um, so I guess takeover is, is a bit strong. Um, but yeah, go back to back to I guess Wisconsin. You know, it's it Johnny Davis is really really kind of putting the press on after after uh, kind of like a two week stretch of of mediocre to bad games by his standards, uh, coming on really strong with 30 points on 14 shots, getting to the line 14 times against Indiana, uh, and then against Michigan having uh, another tw- uh, 25 point game on 16 shots. He's really returned to that efficient status, and I think. Part of it is, um, and, I, and I was having this discussion with with a friend of mine who I was watching the game with, is he's not forcing threes anymore. And I think when, especially against Illinois, he was forcing a lot of threes, but also trying to get draw contact on those threes. And I mean, that, that doesn't work. Um, you can't. He's not Reggie Miller. What he's good at is getting downhill and making things happen at the rim and in the mid range. And he's gotten back to it, and his efficiency has gone way up as a result. But also something I'd like to highlight is is the play of Chucky Hepburn. Um, you know, the offense was kind of scuffling a little bit uh, at the end of the first half. And he was I mean, he, he only had 10 points, um, but he had four assists and just generally took care of the ball and was able to kind of get guys in their spots um, to, to make plays. And he's been really helping to step up while, while Brad Davison has been struggling offensively. Um so yeah, he just kind of the steady hand. He's not turning the ball over a ton, um, and he's he's really his development is helping the teams kind of set the table to to finish better offensively. But Wisconsin pretty much made their living at the rim against Michigan, and uh, that was you know it's good to see kind of the, those those looks start falling for for that team. So, um, but yeah, the the Indiana win is good to good to go on the road and get get that win uh, in a team where Trace Jackson Davis was the best player on the floor for a lot of that game. So Wisconsin, as of today, sits at 12 and four, um, tied with Illinois, also at 12 and four, um, and Purdue is sitting half game atop of them at 13 and four. So three-way tie in the loss column at the top of the conference. 
Um, we know Purdue and Wisconsin play each other one more time. So that game will have implications as far as determining the regular season title. Uh, but the, the two teams we kind of didn't talk about in our intro, Purdue and Illinois. So um, one thing they had in common this week is they faced the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, which were kind of the team of the week last week. Um, and Rutgers, you know, at the beginning of the week, continued their dominance, um, beating Illinois um, at the rack. Um, you know, not so surprising given the track record that Rutgers has there. Um, it, Rutgers then turned around and went to West Lafayette and, you know, fought pretty well against the Boilermakers, um, but came up just short. Um, Illinois, meanwhile, turned around and uh, went into East Lansing and got a win there, which was, I think, huge for them. Um, so maybe, I think, and, and Purdue also picked up a, a win earlier in the week against Northwestern, so they had a good two-win week as well. But maybe we'll start with the Scarlet Knights. So it seems like they're going to be seesawing, kind of like Michigan and Indiana, kind of hovering, you know, end of the tournament, first few teams out of the tournament. Um, I, I think they survived well um, going one and one this week against the top of the conference. But I mean, anything pop out to you as far as either of their performances uh, this week? Yeah, I mean, so Rutgers, uh, obviously, like Illinois is not like Illinois is kind of a bad matchup for them, just given Kofi being larger than everybody on the team. Um but again, I, we've talked about this a bunch, and it's it's the balance with Rutgers. You know, the the kind of um, Mulcahy stepping up is is really huge for them. He had another double digit effort, and he's he's dishing out assists like nobody's business. He had seven assists against Illinois, um, and you know they they couldn't quite get the job done at Purdue. But that's you know winning at Mackey is a tall task. It's nothing. It would have been really nice for their resume, but I mean, it's. They're 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 in the tournament right now. Uh, if you if you go by the bracket matrix weighted average, um, and I, I I think I agree with that at this point. Um, assuming they, you know, they've they've got basically three more chances against tournament caliber teams, and uh, then they they have a game against Penn State that they really shouldn't lose. But you know, you you take two of Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, and you get Penn State, and then. You know, do you even you might not even you might not even need a win in the turn in the conference tournament to to be in the NCAA. It might be first four, but I mean they're still playing really good basketball right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know we don't need to harp on this, um, but as far as their game against Purdue, I mean, I, even though Purdue may not win the the regular season title, like I I still just think from Purdue the way we see them execute, the way we see them control games from start to finish, even though they have trouble like seemingly against presses. Um, and even though, you know, their uh, perimeter defense isn't great. I mean, even though they can be kind of hot and cold from three, like they, they look the part. And I mean, against a Rutgers team that was as hot as anyone in the conference, you know, they, they held serve um, and, and, and just executed really well. So I think kudos to them there. Let's let's talk about Illinois, though, because they they go from kind of a, you know, a performance where they looked a little bit lost um, early in the week against Rutgers. You know, their role players struggled from three. Um, it was a bad effort from, you know, the the free throw line as well. And they really didn't get contributions from anyone other than 
uh, other than Kofi. They go on the road to Michigan State. Michigan State's been vulnerable on the road this year um, and and beat Michigan State by five. Um, this kind of comes off the Spartans losing to Penn State earlier this week, so they have problems that we'll talk about in a second. But, I, I mean, I I look at this as like a, a championship-level win for Illinois. But the question with them, you know, and, and their tournament – their tournament destiny is going to hang in the balance here. You don't see it on night to night from them, but I mean, any takeaways in particular from the game against the Spartans? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think obviously Kofi had a, had a great night, uh, 27 points, 15 shots, but he also, he made a lot of his free throws. He was seven for nine from the line and he's been, he can be a little bit of a liability game, game to game, uh, from the line. So it's good to see him knocking down his shots, but the big thing is going to be Jacob Grandison. I mean, we've talked all season about how, Illinois has to have at least one or two of their guards shooting well to kind of be able to to not let teams just focus in on Kofi as the center of, of their defensive game plan. Um, and Grandison went six for 10 from three. I don't, I, you know, that's exactly what you need if you're Brad Underwood. Um, he's, and he, he, you know, he had a couple two pointers too. So, you know, the defense kind of has to be a little bit honest with him. Um, so even on a night where, uh, you know, Plummer, Plummer didn't shoot well. Um, and, Curbelo really didn't play that much. Um, getting getting contributions from from Grandison and uh, and also Trent Frazier um, were were very good. But the, I think another big takeaway is they turned the ball over eight times that game. So that's that's a team that's really you know that's we've identified that as a weak point the entire season basically. And and Michigan State definitely plays some pretty tu- pretty tough defense. Um, so that's that's another big number that I that I'm always looking at with uh, with the Illini in, in games like that. And for reference, Jacob Grandison, two of seven for five points against Rutgers. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of emblematic of everything we've talked about with them. Um, Michigan State, on the other hand, I mean, you know, I, I think trouble's a relative word, right? Because I wouldn't say they're in like a, they're not really in trouble as far as like their tournament destiny yet, but they are not playing well. And I think Michigan State fans probably thought after their start that they were going to have a shot at the conference title. And um, while mathematically they do, um, right now they're probably kind of hoping that they can salvage a double buy and, and stop the bleeding here. Um, it, two two close losses this week. We talk consistently about uh, the Bryce Jordan Center being a, a tough place to play, which you know it, it was certainly the case uh, last week as well. But I mean, you know. Gabe Brown with a with a tough game there. Bingham didn't do much. Hauser was pretty ineffective. I mean, it was that Penn State defense again that really kind of gave themselves a shot to win at the end, and 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 kind of Lundy and Harer took them home. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that was just we we've we've talked about that atmosphere in the Bryce Jordan Center all year, and it really kind of looked like it got to got to Michigan State, and then obviously you know Penn State sort of had had a lot of fans in the building by the end of it and were, you know, kind of cheering their guys home. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you know, Penn state, Penn state's record is pretty deceiving. They're definitely not a horrible basketball team, which is definitely kind of goes against the odds from the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah, hair, hair really, really led the way with, with 16 and Lundy had 17. So I, you know, I, it's, it's been interesting because this was just was not a good shooting night for most of the Spartans. And, it's that's hard when because they've had to kind of live in this weird cycle of point guards this year where Haggard can't really shoot and that just limits the flow of your offense and sure you'll have nights where Tyson Walker goes nuts like he did against Illinois but 
even I think he had 20 points in the second half and it, it, you know, they're able to bring it back, but couldn't close the deal. So, but you know, something, something as thing, as I mentioned, things that we've been kind of harping on all year, you know, Michigan state got off to this fast start, but we had been, we'd been saying the whole time, you know, it helps when you're playing Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota again in your first four conference games. So I think we're seeing as Michigan state has to consistently play better teams, they, they just don't have the talent to com- to compete with, you know, the top, top three, four teams in the conference to say nothing of Penn state and Rutgers. Yeah. So shout out to Penn state. They got two wins this week, which you know, I think um, there, there's kind of an interesting battle going on for that, uh, for that 10th seed in the big 10, which is huge because you don't have to play on Wednesday. So we'll keep our eye on that Penn state with made a move, move there this week. Um, and I agree with everything you said about their kind of record being deceptively bad. Um, lastly here, let's talk about Ohio state, you know, and, and then by association, Iowa. So it, Ohio state, you know, and, and we'll talk about the Monday game as well, but you know, they, they beat Minnesota, but then lost kind of a head scratcher at home to Iowa, who's coming off a home loss of their own to Michigan. That, that outcome um, in Columbus was really head scratching in my opinion, uh, but then Ohio State comes home and beats Indiana in overtime. I mean, to me, this is more of the same with kind of Ohio State. You're playing down to the level of competition, and then you know, I mean, I don't know that EJ Liddell is going to win Conference Player of the Year because there there have been a lot of guys having you know really good years, but. Uh, he, he certainly deserves the award for like most clutch player of the year, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, like particularly in that outcome against Iowa, like, what did you like anything, I guess on either side that stood out there? I mean, I I don't think Iowa like really even played that well. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say, because usually when we see games like this out of Iowa, they're shooting the lights out from three, they were six for 21. I mean, Keegan Murray had a really good game. He was eight for 12, 24 points, uh, you know, five rebounds. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, I think it was just, just one of those games where it was like kind of early on a Saturday. No one really decided to wake up except for, except for, uh, Branham, Liddell and Keegan Murray. And I guess that was enough for, for Iowa to, to get that win on the road. Um, but yeah, it's nothing about this game really makes much sense besides the fact that turning the ball over 14 times is usually a way to lose a game for Ohio state. So I, I think just the, the couple of things I want to hit on before we get to the preview. So the battle for fourth, I think in the big 10 is actually getting moderately interesting. Um, and obviously the, the award there is you get the double buy. So Ohio state's sitting there at 10 and five Rutgers right behind them at 10 and six, Michigan state at nine and six. And then you have, Michigan, uh, you have Michigan and Iowa kind of just sitting behind two games out there. Um, But some of those teams play each other. So a bunch of these teams within this kind of uh, quadrant play each other a fair amount. So a lot could move. Uh, Probably the biggest surprise, the fact that Rutgers is kind of actually decently positioned to kind of snag that if Ohio State keeps keeps kind of slipping up. But. I think actually, you know, the Iowa Hawkeyes who started this, you know, I guess are now ranked like, I mean, should they be worried about, you know, kind of falling into the, into the bubble here? 
Uh, Iowa. Yeah. So looking at the rest of their, so they, they sit at 18 and eight right now, eight and seven in conference. Um, you know, looking at their schedule the rest of the way, it's actually, it, it starts out easy and then it, and then it really kind of, kind of trips up a bit. They've, they've got Michigan state at home, which is definitely a winnable game. The way both teams have been, have been playing recently. Um, and then Nebraska Northwestern. So those two should be wins. Those two can't be losses, honestly, at this point. Uh, and then they have to go to Michigan and to Illinois to finish. And that's a tall task. Those, those are the over a Thursday through Sunday. I, you know, let's, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see. Uh, so bracket matrix has Iowa sitting as the second nine seed right now. Um, and I want to say that it, so they're ahead of Indiana, Michigan and Rutgers just from big 10 teams in that, in that calculation. This is an aggregate of, of all of uh, the bracketologies out there. Uh, but it, is a couple days old. So they haven't started updating it daily yet. I, I think the rest of the bubble is comparatively weak enough. Cause like they're, they're in front of teams like wake forest and Miami and San Francisco and Notre Dame. And I think that they deserve it over all of those teams to say none, nothing of, of the rest of the, the 11 seeds. So I wouldn't be worried unless they lose to Nebraska or Northwestern. I think, I think they can, they can go three and two or two and three and win one game in the tournament. And I think be pretty safe. Yeah, I I agree there. Um, but speaking of the tournament, I think it's time to put the uh, Northwestern kind of tournament bid hopeful to bed after their loss to Minnesota this week. It was it's a valiant effort um, trying to get there, but uh, yeah, I think we put the kibosh on that for now. So um, again, Northwestern will be tournament list, but there's always next year for them. Uh, to the week ahead now. Um, as we said earlier, we're recording this on Monday, um, so we'll kind of start with the Tuesday games. Brett, Michigan State at Iowa and Nebraska Northwestern. Yeah, Michigan State Iowa. I mean, looking for looking for Michigan State to kind of regain some of their mojo on offense. You know, t- seeing Tyson Walker go nuts in the second half is is good for you know hopefully he can kind of string some momentum there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michigan State has to win a game at some point. Um, you know, Izzo's clearly trying to figure something out with his rotations. Uh, they still, you know, the guard play is still an issue for the most part. Uh, and, and their guys aren't making shots. So, you know, we know that they have Gabe Brown and Joey Hauser capable of knocking down shots. Iowa playing the Iowa defense is usually a pretty good, uh, pretty good get right game for offenses. So I, you know, I, and I think they have the, they have a couple guys they can throw at Keegan Murray. So I think they can win this game. Um, I think they both, both teams kind of need this game. So it should be, should be an entertaining one at least. Um, Nebraska Northwestern. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, that this, now that Northwestern is, is 12 and 13, I think this is pretty, uh, pretty irrelevant, but it, you know, I don't want to see them lose to Nebraska. Um, moving into Wednesday, we've got Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then Rutgers, Michigan. Yeah. So Rutgers, Michigan, kind of a bubble, not, not a bubble elimination game, but a bubble survival game for sure. Just given how close, uh, though these teams are to the cut line, if I had to venture a guess, I would probably argue that Michigan needs this one a little bit more than Rutgers, um, given that it's at home. But what I'm really looking, what I'll be looking for in this game is how does Michigan respond to all the adversity that they're now facing, given the Madison melee that we talked about earlier. Rutgers' style of play travels. Um, you know, Wisconsin found that out the hard way a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, so 
you know, Michigan will have to roll up their sleeves and, and kind of find a way in this one. I don't see an outcome like the Purdue game where, you know, they shoot, shoot the lights out and run away from them. Um, so Michigan knows they need to be playing well down the stretch to get this game. So we'll see how they kind of start off this final stretch of five that they have. Wisconsin, Minnesota, though, I, it, it's just so hard to say when these two teams, when these two teams meet. I can tell you for sure that Wisconsin's going to come up riled up, come out riled up after what happened in Madison yesterday. Um, I, I could actually see this this being big for Wisconsin even though kind of Minnesota got a solid win over uh, Northwestern over the weekend. But um, I, you know, I just, I look for, you know, Johnny Davis to continue playing well um, for Wisconsin's uh, advantage in the post to kind of continue to play out and for them to control the pace to prevent um, Minnesota from getting out in transition on Thursday we have Maryland, Indiana and candidate for game of the week, Ohio state, Illinois. Yeah, so uh, starting with starting with Ohio State Illinois, definitely the the more intriguing option on your TV screens on Thursday night. Um, so yeah, I, I mean it's another it's gonna be another another fun battle of the bigs. Um, I I really look for Ohio State to use Zed Key a lot to try and slow down Kofi, um, and I'm interested to see what what Illinois does to try and match up with with Liddell. I think both both of those guys should have should have a pretty big game. Um, and I think, so again, you know, with that, with those kind of canceling each other out, it's going to come down to whose guards can make shots. We've seen, we've seen Branham on Ohio state really break out a lot the second half of this year. Um, and I, I think he's going to, going to keep doing that. Um, so this game, this game is in Champaign. So I, I lean the Illini to, to kind of come through with it, uh, on the back of some, some good three point shooting. But, uh, I, I think this will be a really close one down the stretch and I think it'll be a, a fun one to watch, uh, for you neutral observers. Uh, Maryland, Indiana game, Indiana can't lose. Um, they, Mike, Mike Woodson made some very odd coaching decisions offensive, offensively, uh, in the game against Wisconsin. Um, you gotta, you gotta give Jackson Davis the ball if he's dominating. It's going to be harder for him to do that against uh, a guy as big as Wahab, but I, I have no doubt that he'll be able to win that matchup. Um, I'm going to look for Indiana's guards to basically get it together. You know, they've, they've Xavier Johnson, Galloway, Miller cop all have kind of been mediocre to bad most of this year. Um, so if they, if Indiana wants to actually make something out of this season, I think, uh, those guys got to really start showing up. Um, Friday, we have Northwestern Penn state and Iowa, Nebraska. It's a spicy Friday night slate. Yeah. We're going to put the over under at, uh, students at the Bryce Jordan center for that game at a hundred, Brett, you taking the over the under. Ooh, I think I'm taking the under. Good choice. Um, so that's all I have to say about that game. Uh, Iowa, Nebraska. I mean, we talked about this, uh, but oddly, these teams, you know, just played like a week ago. But uh, Iowa cannot lose this game. I don't think they will, uh, given that, given what's at stake with their resume. Uh, so uh, not that much to see here, um, in all honesty. Uh, Saturday, Wisconsin and Rutgers and Purdue, Michigan State, two really, really good games. Yeah, so Wisconsin Rutgers uh, is going to be at the rack. The rack's going to be going to be going nuts. Um, but this this Wisconsin team has a knack for showing up in these in these crazy road environments. And and Johnny Davis is, is you know, the main reason why um, I'm very interested to see uh, how the, the Badgers change their defensive style. I think that 
you know, I talked about this last week, but I thought they did a very good job playing Rutgers defensively for the most part. Uh, it was just Rutgers hit a bunch of contested shots and tough twos. And, you know, we'll see if we'll see if that that transfers again. Harper's still going to be a problem to deal with. Um, and, you know, now Mulcahy is, is deserving of attention. And so we'll see if, if it can, it's going to come down to if Wisconsin can make shots. And uh, if they can, they win. They'll win. And if they and this is as stupid as it sounds, but like, you know, if they if they don't make shots, they won't win this game. Uh, they, they will not just win the game because of because of their good defense, as we saw in in Madison. And then Purdue, Michigan State, um, you know, there there's uh, it's it's going to be very hard as good. You know, as solid as Michigan State's been on defense this year, for the most part, uh, it's going to be very hard for them to slow down this this Purdue team, even though it is it is at the Breslin Center. Um, and I think that they're going to have a really hard time with uh, Edie, the combination of Edie and Travion Williams. They also just don't have anyone that's athletic enough to stay in front of Ivy. So I think Ivy has another game where he lives either at the rim or at the free throw line, uh, like he did against Rutgers and uh, Purdue, Purdue goes, goes into, goes into the Breslin center and wins this game. And then we are finishing up on Sunday. We've got a quad header. We've got Illinois, Michigan, Ohio state, Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota, and Nebraska, Penn state. Yeah, Illinois, Michigan, uh, two fan bases that really hate each other. Uh, this this is a I would I would circle this game as a kind of sneaky good one just because I think Illinois needs this if they want to win the Big Ten title outright. Um, so they have all the motivation they need there. Um, Michigan, kind of this would be a great win for them as far as their tournament resume. Um, in the rematch earlier this season, Hunter Dickinson did not play due to COVID. So it'd be great to see the Dickinson kind of Kofi matchup. Hope the refs allow them to actually go, go after each other instead of making it a foul contest. Um, and we'll see if Illinois can avoid kind of a letdown on the road. Uh, Juwan Howard actually has not beaten Illinois in his tenure at all at Michigan. Uh, he won't get a chance to do that here. Uh, but I I would I would expect this to be a fiery competitive game. Um, on the flip side, um, Ohio State at Maryland, you don't know what you're going to get from Maryland on a given day. Uh, and Ohio State, you know, was still kind of a puncher's shot at a share of a conference title. We'll need this if they they want to continue on that. Uh, but this this seems like one where they, you know, as usual, can. You know, if, if they don't have their energy, this will probably be closer than most people expect. So, um, you know, Ohio State needs to make sure they don't get blitzed um, because, as we've talked about before, Maryland's got one-on-one players that can roll with anyone in the Big Ten. Indiana, Minnesota, I'll echo what you said about Indiana earlier this week. They can't lose this game if they want to make the tournament. Um, this would be a bad loss at this point. I know it's tough to win on the road with the Big Ten, uh, but they're going to have to find a way to do it here. Um, and then as far as Nebraska and Penn State, maybe the way I should frame the question here is, do you think there will be more people at a six o'clock game in State College versus on a Sunday versus an eight o'clock game on a Friday? Uh, I think I'll take the Sunday game. I think no football. It's uh, not Friday night and it's some, you know, there'll be more points scored in that one. And, and there you have it. Um Thank you guys for tuning in. We are headed down the home stretch here and excited to be here with you. Um, thank you for sticking with us all, all year and for listening. Um, feel free to send in your questions um, and get excited um, for the final two weeks of the regular season.